Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to the E-Wang Bang Podcast. This is your host, Emil Wang, and I'm just checking in on you, as the great Bill Burr would say. It's been a little, about a month since my last post, and who remembers what I was talking about? Something about the NBA Finals. I, I think the Warriors were in a, in a tight battle, but really... Who remembers what happened at the end of that series? I certainly don't. It's been a month. Uh, so much has happened since then. Uh, in all seriousness, I will be getting into some aspects about that. The end of that Warriors series as well as some of the free agency madness. But before I get into that, just wanted to start with a couple of other things. First and foremost, a big shout out to Errol and Amanda of the Escape Room Divas podcast. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's a podcast started by some very wonderful escape room enthusiasts who are from Toronto but have traveled uh, the world doing some of the most interesting escape rooms. They provide some awesome thoughts on escape room uh, design as well as uh, reviewing the overall escape room experience. So for those of you who have never heard them before, definitely check them out. Uh, they were in Seattle this past week, and I had the awesome opportunity of joining them and actually doing two escape rooms with them. So a very cool experience. Thank you guys so much. Look forward to uh, seeing you guys again soon and hopefully doing some more escape rooms with you guys. Also looking forward, I'm going to be seeing Spider-Man Far From Home sometime soon. So that means that Jeff Liu and I are likely going to be doing a review of that. I also have a new guest who's going to be coming onto the podcast. I won't reveal his name just yet because I'm not sure if uh, you know exactly when this is going to be happening. But just as a little preview, he is a very good friend of mine from New York City who recently moved to Los Angeles to pursue a career in acting and has been featured in the FX show Legion. So uh, I'm very excited to talk to him about his experiences in acting and also as a native Los Angeles uh, resident, uh, he's got a lot of thoughts on the LA Lakers as well. So looking forward to talk to him about that. Uh, stay tuned, D-Wang Bang listeners. And now, let's talk some Warriors. It's a great time to have a ball. It's a great way to let it go. It's great for your basketball. It's a great time out. It's a great, it's a great time out. So, the Warriors end up losing the NBA Finals to the Toronto Raptors. 4-2 to two, uh, in a very, very tightly contested Game 6. I know that I had predicted that it would be a blowout at the Oracle, and quite frankly, it is very, very depressing that the way the Warrior fans are going to remember the final days of Oracle are three straight losses uh, on their home court in the NBA Finals against a a good Toronto Raptors team, but personally, I believe they were a little bit overrated, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But I will say this. I had predicted early on in the series, I think even before Game 1, James and I had talked about this, the Warriors were one injury away from losing this series, and the reality is, you know, A, Kevin Durant never really came back. He had a phenomenal, you know, 10-minute stretch that uh, you know James and I documented in the previous podcast episode. 
But we also lost Clay Thompson for that game three, as well as essentially the second half of that game six. We also didn't have Kevon Looney for that game three and basically a shell of himself for that game five and game six. So the Warriors were battling injuries. And hey, I'll tell you this much, though. I mean, it's part of the game and hats off to the Toronto Raptors. In the end, they were the better team. They did have the MVP of the series, no denying that. Uh, as a quick sidebar, I mean, I, I still can't get over how much the media talks about how the Houston Rockets were just, you know, one win away from dethroning the Warriors and uh, how it was, you know, almost like a, a freak injury that shouldn't have happened. I mean, Look, guys, you know, Chris Paul's injury was not some freak, you know, undercut from somebody coming underneath him or a freak landing off of a dunk the way that Clay Clay Thompson's injury was. It was legitimately a basketball, a regular basketball move that he was backpedaling on and he just pulled his hamstring. That is a product of a system that requires high usage of, of an NBA player. And and if you don't know or you don't have the tools to fully diagnose the kind of level that your player is at, these sort of injuries happen. I, I, I'm not saying that the Warriors are any better. Clearly, Kevin Durant was not ready to come back. Uh, however, just the tools were not there for us to fully determine that this could possibly happen after the month and a half of recovery. And for those of you who need the reminder, it wasn't just the Warriors training staff that said Kevin Durant was good to go. Kevin Durant's own personal medical staff had said he was good to go. The Warriors had the Warriors and Kevin Durant's team had hired a third party consultant to come to come in and review this. And he was cleared to play. So, look, it's part of the game. It doesn't take away anything from what the Toronto Raptors were able to accomplish. And I think the Warriors know that. The Warriors were on their last legs, literally. Uh, They're an older team. And quite frankly, the way this roster was constructed, there just wasn't enough depth. And, you know, one of the things that I point back to, and granted, you know, Boogie Cousins had a great game six a great game five and a great game two to you know, really keep us in contention for the series. But the reality is the Warriors have whiffed on the past couple of mid-level exceptions that they've used, uh, particular, particularly Boogie Cousins and and uh, Nick Young, both guys who came in as you know people who had put up high numbers on their previous teams had come in with some kind of reputation of being a bad boy but could potentially work well in the system. And the reality is when you commit that amount of money to a guy who is a risky player, you're really really limiting your options for the rest of your roster, especially for a team that's that's, uh, front-stacked as much as we are. Look at the rest of our roster. Look at who we had to to fill in for people when people started getting hurt. You know, we had Quinn Cook getting heavy minutes. Who, you know, I am the biggest Quinn Cook defender out there. Uh, but in crunch time, I mean, it, it's no coincidence that 
probably one of the biggest shots of that game six was that Fred Van Fleet step back three pointer. And that was, that was when Quinn cook was guarding him. And, uh, you know, uh, people here or people in Seattle could probably verify the story. The moment I saw Quinn Cook matched up one-on-one against Van Fleet, I said, oh, no. Right after that was that big three-pointer with uh, with a couple minutes left in that fourth quarter. So uh, you, we had guys like that out there. We had Alfonso McKinney. You know, we were trying to throw Jacob Evans out there for a couple minutes. I mean, we just had a shallow roster, and I think a lot of that was because we took a risk on a on a mid-level player that just didn't didn't produce, that had questions about a uh, their health and b their impact on defense. So the Warriors are in a very very tough cap situation for this coming year and. Uh, the next time James is on this episode, we'll we'll get a little bit more into that. But I really hope that if the Warriors are in this situation again, they really, really evaluate who they spend that mid-level exception on. Because it, honestly, it, it it didn't it didn't pan out this year, and it really didn't pan out last year. Going back to that game six, uh, I I don't want to hark on you know too many of the individual plays but I did have a huge problem with how that game ended and and I get it you know the moment Clay Thompson tore his ACL there was probably no chance that we would be winning this series had this game gone back to Toronto for a game seven but looking back at how the final the final moments of that game six unfolded the Warriors had forced a crucial turnover with I believe 12 seconds left Danny Green had stupidly uh, thrown it out of bounds with, uh, you know, I think he had been pressured in the backcourt. Very awesome defensive play. The ball went off of, I believe, Kawhi's fingertips. I guess it doesn't really matter. But it went it went out of bounds along the sideline. The Warriors had plenty of room to inbound. It was It was plenty of time to operate with one timeout left down one point. I do not understand why we call timeout to draw up a three-point play. It, it doesn't make any sense to me when you have a ball side out with 11 seconds left. You can take the ball to the hoop, get the foul. I mean, obviously, you know, refs might not call a foul like that in you know with those you know that that few seconds left. But take the ball to the hoop, get a good shot. If you miss it, Raptors get the rebound, you foul them, they make two free throws, you're still just down three. You can still call that timeout. You can still draw the exact same play up and and hit that three. It, it might be a thing where, you know, Kerr thought that had this game gone to overtime, you know, maybe the Warriors wouldn't have the legs to survive it, I guess. But look, you're, you're also at home. I mean, that, that's that's what being at home is about you know having your home crowd take you past that finish line and you it's just not really um you know my philosophy to to go for the hail mary win in in moments like that uh and this takes me back to like kind of a bigger bigger concern about coaching I, i i'm not convinced that Kerr coached a good series or really coached a good season. I mean, we had 
one of the most talented rosters of all time and just you know certain certain substitution patterns certain matchups just just didn't work out and Kerr was just so stubborn i mean you know even dating back to the to the the, the forbidden uh, or that shall not be mentioned 2016 nba finals where he refused to not play uh, Anderson Varejao and Festus Azili in these crunch time minutes. I mean, it, the same stubbornness kind of reared its ugly head in this uh, in this Toronto series. And I know we were shallow. I know we had depth issues, but there are just certain instances where you know playing boogie just killed us and you know trying to get Alfonso McKinney minutes you know matching him up against Kawhi Leonard for as, as much as uh, Steve Kerr did and again you know uh, James and I have covered that at, to nauseum but it wouldn't surprise me if Kerr is dare I say on the hot seat not necessarily in the coming year because you know, we do have injuries to recover from, but for the year after, um, because I, I don't think that Kerr has been great. And this next year and you know, part of the year after is really where I think Kerr needs to show stuff. Because if this semi-rebuild that the Warriors are going through does not pan out, it it wouldn't surprise me if management will look to blow it up um, from a coaching standpoint. Obviously, not a personal standpoint, because you know Steph Curry, the longest tenured player for his team in the NBA, which is bonkers, um, and still one of the most efficient and effective players in the NBA. You know, we are not trading him, um, which leads me to the off season, uh, the off season action. James and I will go into this in a lot more depth. Uh, unfortunately, James uh, has been a little bit busy and won't be able to be on the pod for at least another week or so. And hopefully by the end of that, uh, this free agency madness will die down. But I wanted to focus on the Warriors uh, to start with because this new Warriors team is going to be completely different um, as far as roster holdovers go, it's really only five people that matter, and that's you know Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, who's you know going to be coming back from injury uh, later in the year, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, and Jacob Evans. Uh, oh, also uh, Alfonso McKinney is is a, is a high likely uh, likely candidate to return, but. It, it, Andre Iguodala had to be traded away. Sean Livingston had to be waived. Uh, a, you know, Kevin Durant signed with New York Net, uh, New uh, New York Nets. God, I, I fucking lived there for so long. I can't, I can't even get the name right. Kevin Durant has signed with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, so much has happened to this roster that you know, it, there's just so many question marks. There's this brand new youth movement that's come into play. Steph Curry's 31 years old, and he's the oldest player on the roster. So let that sink in. You know, the golden child, the the guy that, you know, was our back-to-back MVP and, you know, the, the heart and soul of this team, uh, he is the old man on the roster. He needs to put on yet another hat of leading this group of youngsters to 
not only playoff contention, but relevance in a new year, in a new stadium where those seats need to be sold out. I mean, those ticket prices are insane. And, you know, I I mean, I don't don't need to get into that. But so it's going to be a really interesting year. I... I still don't know how I feel about it. I think, you know, with all this craziness going on, um, the West, certain teams got stronger, but there wasn't necessarily a balance of power shift. Uh, There weren't a significant amount of Eastern Conference uh, all-stars that came out West. Uh, Movement of player personnel within the Western Conference was primarily within... Uh, all of the relevant teams already Um, it wasn't like some you know it wasn't like some uh all-star from the you know minnesota timberwolves or the dallas mavericks or sacramento kings ended up being plopped into the la clippers you know teams that were already in the playoffs got better and the teams that were out of that playoff contention didn't necessarily get springboarded into the top eight. So I think the Warriors will definitely be in the playoffs. Uh, D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry playing together. I mean, that guarantees points and points will get us victories over crap teams and hopefully beating crap teams and, you know, good teams that are just taking off nights, you know, hopefully that will be enough wins to get us into that a seed. And then once clay comes back, you know, who knows, who knows what we can do. Um, and again, who knows what kind of injuries will occur? Uh, I mean, if you look at the LA Clippers and you look at their key acquisitions, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they're both guys who by the end of the year could barely play. I I know what everyone's saying about Kawhi Leonard and I know he was the MVP of the NBA finals, but if you look closely at his game, he was not a good defender in that series. Uh, he definitely took a lot of plays off when he was on the ball. And as a help defender, he is just atrocious. So a guy like that is going to continue to be load managed. And, you know, whether or not he plays even 60 games is is to be determined. The LA Clippers will make the NBA, uh, the NBA playoffs no problem, but it wouldn't surprise me if they took a lot of games off, um, especially against a team that hopefully will be scrapping for a, for a, a playoff berth uh, in the Golden State Warriors. It, it, it's so shocking for me to, to say that uh, the Warriors are scrapping for an NBA playoffs. I mean, what is this, you know, 2007, like the We Believe years? I, I think I'll have to whip that shirt out a, a couple more times this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, g- going back to the health of some of these other teams, the L.A. Lakers, we know LeBron, we know Anthony Davis are both injury-prone. The Denver Nuggets are still a question mark of how good they're going to be. The Rockets have, you know, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Sure, great, but realistically – are the sum of their parts really, you know, as effective as, you know, what each of those parts are really worth? I, I think the jury's still out, especially given the attitude and the, uh, the chuckiness, if I should say, of Russell Westbrook. Who else is out there in the West? Uh, I, I think Utah legitimately got better, but the reality is I'm not very high on uh, Donovan Mitchell, and I don't see him taking that next big step anytime soon. 
the Denver Nuggets, yeah, they're okay. They made one trade to get Jeremiah Grant, who's a good player. Hopefully, you'll, uh, Nikolai Jokic will get better. They they will have Michael Porter Jr., but he just got injured. So, you know, it, it, it's just so many question marks about injuries that it's really tough to say that we ha- we should just count the Warriors out if the rest of these teams are one injury away from just being mediocre. So as sad as this NBA Finals loss was and as sad as this offseason has been, there is optimism from the Wing Bang podcast team. With that said, thank you so much, listeners. James and I will be doing a deeper dive into the NBA offseason as well as the State of the Warriors. Look out for that episode. But until then, Go Dubs. It's a great time to have a ball. It's a great way to let it go.